This week, we're just going to do a check-in with American politics, uh, and I'm very excited to start doing these check-ins with uh, Dawson Kimian, who is not my Canadian politics check-in guy. That's Ryan Deshpande. So I'm going to let Dawson just introduce himself a little bit to the audience so folks get familiar, because I'm sure he's going to be a reoccurring guest. Sure. Um, hi. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm Dawson. I'm a Minnesotan uh, from Minneapolis. I've uh, been in, interested in politics for you know, most of my life, um, 25 years old for the last three or so years, uh, my career has been in professional political organizing, electoral organizing. Um, and on top of that, I listen to just like a stupid amount of progressive talk radio and podcasts. So like, I, you know, I have a, I have a disease, uh, you know, it's sick, but, uh, here we are and we're going to make the most of it. So thanks for having me, Nashua. Uh, no problem. And Dawson and I are both also fellow mixed race people. So it's just exciting. That's right. Um, yeah, so so we're going to talk about the confirmation hearing. So Dawson, um, I painfully made you engage with it more than you would have. Yeah. What are your thoughts so far? You know, it, it was like, it was maybe, it was worth it for the ability to be able to talk about. But I would just say that like, I don't know, compared to the spectacle of the Kavanaugh hearing, it just, it's, it's just not that interesting. Um, and I think that like, um, you know, I, I've heard people suggest that the Democrats should have just boycotted this hearing as like a sham. Um, and I tend to like agree with that because... If the point is, is that this is an illegitimate confirmation hearing, uh, they're only legitimizing it, mizing it by going. And I think that they know that. Um, and the logic from the Senate Dems is basically like, we think Joe Biden's going to win this election and we don't want to rock the boat. Um, but there's this trade off, which is now they're kind of by going and doing this hearing, um, giving up an opportunity to like lay down a marker for future uh, judicial reform, right? You know, we're going to have to deal with the consequences of a 6-3 court for a long time. And I think that if they were going to use this moment to get people outraged about, um, you know, Republican hypocrisy, they needed to have just not showed up. Um, and, you know, if if they were thinking that they were going to get something politically out of this, um, I think their, their worst case uh, scenario was realized, which is that Amy Coney Barrett comes off as being uh, normal and boring uh, and intellectual and erudite. And she doesn't she's not just like the frothing psycho that we've been thinking of her as for the last several weeks. I mean, she is, but she's it's not on the surface. <laughs> she's super like like I, I would love to talk about how this is like the girl boss snake eating its own tail, because I saw Elizabeth Warren today bring up how. Like Amy Coney Barrett, in a way, does owe us certain things. But if you remember, Elizabeth Warren was we were told she didn't owe us anything. Yeah, I remember hearing that on like hearing about that on Come Town. Like it was something that was just like so absurd when it was about Elizabeth Warren, this like a national American politician who, you know, chose to run for president. Right. Nobody forced her to. I'd say if she was something some type of like retired, you know, professor or something, um, then you could make the argument she didn't owe us anything. But. Uh, in that instance, that just didn't make any sense. Right. Um, and I think that like when it, when it comes to Amy Coney Barrett, I think that like um, the only thing that's keeping her from being a full out like girl boss um, is the fact that like we know that she's going to undermine female or I shouldn't say female, but, you know, 
certain people's bodily autonomy and um and and people's just basic rights and not to mention just like create um the conditions for just like a new gilded age it's gonna be terrible like uh you know she's a servant of corporate interest i think that like you know that that stops people from being full out just like oh she's a girl boss um but on the flip side you know that's kind of like the reputation that 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 ginsburg had and i think that like in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, Ginsburg is responsible for putting us in the situation, right? Um, so, oh yeah. Well, even the RBG turning to ACB and then taking up notorious BIG's kind of motif with the crown, and now we see it with it's. It's just bizarre to me that like this rapper who was just so great has had these like two white women now be like I don't know. It's the girl bossism, like you said. The only thing that's holding her back is the her stance on reproductive justice. Yeah, I mean, th- that for sure. I, I mean, I, I also think that, like, to her credit, like, Amy Coney Barrett is, like, clearly very, like, brilliant, like, very smart. And she's been just super adept at just, frankly, just walking all over the Democrats uh, in these hearings. Um, not by... She, she's not, like, trying to own them. She's just... She gets asked questions and she just, she just pivots, right? Or she narrows... Um, you know, they basically from from the beginning, she's adopted this thing, um, which she is calling the Ginsburg rule, which is that you're not allowed to in a confirmation hearing uh, give any hints or previews about how you would rule on certain cases. Uh, another thing we have to thank Ginsburg for, because it's uh, saved Amy Coney Barrett from having to answer any of the questions that have been asked of her. Right. Um, and all of the questions that pertain to her qualifications, I think that, like, she's clearly qualified and then the remaining things is just like where she might be compromised, right? Um, may- maybe she's compromised in certain cases um, because she has already professed opinions um, in the past or like written, you know, ha- written writings or blog posts or, you know, legal briefs on certain topics that uh, might kind of like make her tainted as a judge. And, and she's just done an excellent job of narrowing the scope of whatever it is she wrote about, like uh, to the point where even these even these lawyers on the Judiciary Committee, um, they can't keep up with her. You know, they're trying to pin her down for this um, stuff that she's written in the past. And she just in legalese just completely pivots away from the point. Um, And like I said, I think they should have just not come um, because uh, it's whatever they thought they were going to get out of it. They're not getting. Yeah. And it's a bit of a show. Well, Amy Klobuchar, if we can talk about her, do you want to play a certain clip or anything? I want to turn to the Supreme Court's critical role uh, when it comes to the right to vote. And you wrote that historically, uh, felons should be disqualified from exercising certain rights, like the right to vote and to serve on juries. Um, So my question is this, actually this next line where you said these rights belonged only to virtuous citizens. Um, What does that mean? Senator, I would need to look at the article to clarify, but as I'm sitting here, I don't think I said felons should lose voting rights. I think what I was talking about is that 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that... that. Okay, so basically Amy, two days ago, um, started talking about this. Not Amy. uh, Yeah, Amy. They're both named Amy. It's Amy Square. Yeah, they're Amy. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, She started talking. She was like... You wrote this this you wrote this article or blog or whatever where you said that only virtuous people should be allowed to vote. And when you define non-virtuous, you um, implicated incarcerated people. And I've been a public defender or whatever, a prosecutor. And um, she was like, 
are you saying incarcerated people are not virtuous? What did you mean by virtuous? And she just kept asking about that. And she was so fixated on the word virtuous and incarcerated people being able to vote. And then you see all of these Democrats start being like, yes, queening uh, Amy Klobuchar. And it's like, did you not understand that during the primary, there was a one individual who wanted incarcerated people to be able to vote? And that individual was Bernie like dragged because he was literally asked would you let the Boston bomber vote yes of course who cares it's a vote <laughs> I mean yeah I mean you're 100% <laughs> right right like these people get to pivot kind of like in and out of the closet on some of these issues um and I think that like like specifically when it comes to the the rights of felons to vote I mean I think that like for me like that's something that's just like obvious like I think that everyone should be able to vote even like incarcerated people and even people like even like non-citizens but um even from just kind of like a more mainstream level perspective like what you look at like what's happening in Florida where um the voters decided that they thought that um you know felons who had served their time um should be able to to vote um and then um what happened thereafter was um Florida imposed a rule that said that they could, but only if they'd paid all their court fees and stuff, which um, is effectively a modern day poll tax. Right. And um, and when people like even like Bloomberg have tried to go in and and raise money, which is pretty funny that he would have to raise the money to pay off all these um, fees. um, It's been framed as like, you know, trying to like somehow uh, rig the election or or bribe voters. Um, And that's like that's like a situation that Amy Coney Barrett could could very well have to, to rule on. Um, but I think the fact is, is that um, she's not going to she's not going to say a thing. Um, and I think that, like, for me, for me, like it, it, it's hilarious watching Amy, Amy Klobuchar um, draw that line with her because like Amy Klobuchar is a senator from Minnesota and she's got, uh, you know, her record of, as being a, both a prosecutor here and also as a, a candidate for for president has just been like sort of like very hawkish and like kind of tough on crime. Right. Not super. um you know, not super liberal or compassionate or restorative. Yeah, I just think it was like, I, yeah, and, and hilarious, but it's sad that like she was just fixated on this idea of what's a virtuous person when she's put so many people in prison. And she she herself just never wanted to extend that right to people. But now she wants to like one up the other Amy by being like, you don't want to extend this right. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's like her job as being a member of the a Democratic member of the Judiciary Committee. But it just shows the whole thing is just a sideshow and totally political theater, right? Like she didn't have to come to that hearing. Like, um, so, you know, I, I find it difficult to believe that, uh, Amy has deep convictions. I think she's just playing, fulfilling a role and, and doing it kind of somewhat successfully. Like her line of questioning on the ACA was good. It's just that like, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that this person's going to be confirmed and we know how they're going to rule on each of these things. And they haven't been able to lock her into saying it or say anything that or do anything that would be damaging politically for the Republicans. And for me, that's like the only reason they should have been attending this hearing. And uh, it's not happening. Yeah. And you you had some really good thoughts before before we started recording today about how this is so much different than Kavanaugh and how Kavanaugh set like a low bar, like the Kavanaugh hearing. And I, I want to hear you talk more about that before we dive into this one more. Definitely. I mean, I think that like, uh, you, you know, like like, like the, the, the Republican line about how like the, the, the only thing that we're here to assess is um, Amy Coney Barrett's qualifications. Right. And I think that like Amy Coney Barrett has um, has used that to basically dodge questions, saying, like, I'm not here to talk about how I would rule on certain things. Obviously, that's what we want to hear. We want to know how she's going to rule on different things. And we do know how she's going to rule on different things. We'd have to act like we don't. But they want her to say it in the hearing, and she's refusing or pivoting. And, like, you know, 
it brings me back to the Kavanaugh hearing because I'm thinking about like in that case, it's like we really were primarily assessing these guys qualifications, right? Because the the focus of the whole thing was like, did he try to rape somebody? And was that disqualifying? Right. And I think that like um, in that instance, like it made sense for them to try to like, you know, humiliate this guy. But ultimately, like, what did we get from it? Because now he's on the court and this other person and pretty much anybody who's going to come into one of these hearings, um, you know, and not be holding up like pictures of their calendar with entries that say like didn't rape someone today and like so- like intermittently like sobbing is going to seem just like an outstanding nominee. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I don't think I think the Kavanaugh thing, uh, you know, is kind of like coming back to haunt us in a way, because like obviously like whatever that hearing was, this one's the polar opposite. Yeah. And and I think it's we're seeing that with also um, just like girl bossism and like manners manners kind of discourse where you see like even diane uh feinstein praising even like lindsey graham today for like being she was just like i want to thank you this has been one of the best set of hearings i've participated in yeah they can't help themselves i mean because ultimately (laughs) like they're not they're not ruthless champions of anything ultimately they're like um you know these just like sort of like older ruling class people who who's like you know like desire to like maintain some type of like decorum or whatever um, is more powerful than their like interest in any type of like concept of like justice. Like, you know, like first Diane Feinstein is like, I think a, a uniquely bad example and like, a actually like a, a really caricature, a useful caricature of like why you have to primary people because she's obviously like a, a Senator from a deep blue state. And is just like a total is like 90 years old and it's just like a total, totally mediocre Senator. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can see it. Like I can see sitting in on that hearing and being like, oh, this, 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 uh, you know, this whole thing is, uh, it's refreshing uh, not to have, um, you know, Kavanaugh up there uh, challenging senators on, uh, you know, what kind of beer they both like to drink. Yeah. And even Feinstein, just to like keep hating her on her for a bit more, she like thanked, uh, <laughs> she thanked Lindsey Graham for his leadership. And it's just like art, like, what is the difference? What is the difference between either of these people anymore? I don't know, honestly. I mean, I hope Lindsey Graham loses his election. I think that like that. I mean, that is a guy who's just like a a, a uniquely infuriating person and definitely somebody that like I know that like MSNBC libs and stuff like love to hate. But I also just like can't stand him. He, he, he just is just totally obsequious and just totally, totally craven. Uh, but they all are. I mean, really, like the whole thing is a joke. The Senate, this, the U.S. Senate is um, is hopelessly undemocratic until we can deal with the fact that um, you know, California gets the same two senators as Wyoming. Yeah. And I guess like uh, back to like the, the hearings and the discourse, um, you see people at like Crooked Media mm. even praising Amy Coney Barrett. And I guess that reminds me of people who were even maybe a little bit Bernie light, but they had this weird streak for like Warren being a woman and like this idea of being women. And um, I, again, I want to hear you talk a little bit about some things we've talked about before about like, why, why do people think women are so unique? Like, I have my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think but. that, like, I, it's like, like, like it's a kind of a correlation causation fallacy because you, you look around you and you see that the world is mostly ruled by men and it's and it's uh, it's a disaster. Right. So if you can uh, if you can replace the men with women, then things will get better. And I think that, like, that that might be, not be untrue. Right. I think that there's like definitely value in an in increasing representation in politics. But. Um, you know, the idea that like, we're just going to solve all these problems by elevating more women and, and even to, to, a, to, a, in a different way, just people of color and without, without any, um, without any sort of like s- specifics as to like, which of those groups we're elevating. I mean, I think that that's silly. Like, um, 
I, th- I think that like in, in cases where we've, we've seen this in, in recent years where you've like, even when like Gina Haspel, who's like this, the CIA director who uh, is, is most famous for like burning evidence of uh, torture. Um, and like, I remember, uh, I remember Sarah Huckabee Sanders was press secretary at the time and just like calling out liberals saying like, you guys are, you know, you quote unquote feminists are such hypocrites. Like, look at this, the first ceiling breaker, you know, like Gina Haspel, first female CIA director was like, first of all, fuck the CIA. Second of all, fuck Gina Haspel. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think that like, you know, people kind of like on the left, like liberals, like look at that and laugh. But at the same time, we do the same thing. It's just with like liberal women. who yeah. just like aren't very progressive. Well, I always am like, whenever somebody says this to me, like the other day I was arguing with somebody, they were like, you believe in having an ostensibly socialist man instead of a woman who might be progressive. And I was like, yeah, I do. And and then they they just went into the don't you ever want to see a woman in your lifetime win? And I was like, Margaret Thatcher already won. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, like, think about the fact that Pakistan has has had a female head of state. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the takeaway from that is like tisk tisk America, like Pakistan's done it and we haven't yet. And the the other takeaway is like that ship has sailed. Like it's no longer impressive to elect a woman. So just, you know, if it happens, it happens. But ultimately, like, we got shit to do. Like when it comes to Elizabeth Warren, like I, I have a lot of respect for her. I think that she's like one of the most talented people in America when it comes to like grilling bankers, like grilling CEOs of like evil companies. Grilling Mike Bloomberg. Grilling yeah. Mike Bloomberg. And like and 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 also just like she's a she's a she's meant to be just like a financial cop. Like I hope that in whatever it, whoever gets if Biden gets elected, like I hope that she's the top, you know, the person in charge of you know, being a cop for, for like a white collar <laughs> crime. Money. Yeah. Like, like great. Like, and I think she's fantastic at that, but like what, what she showed us through just like numerous actions from like her botched response to like the native American thing and like taking a DNA test and then proudly telling everybody that she has in fact has one tenth of 1% of native American DNA. And then like to, to the, to the whole, like she's got a plan for that and being like, we're going to pass two health, two like world historic healthcare reform bills in like a back to back terms. And like, I don't know, just like lots of evidence that she's just not that good at politics. Um, and you know, most notably the fact that she, whether wittingly or unwittingly just became a straight up tool for the establishment to just defeat Bernie. And like, I'm sorry. The idea is she doesn't owe us anything. Like, I'm, yes, you do. Like, don't run for like anybody who runs for president and and inc- like it develops that much of a following does owe the American people something. It's not like she's just like a a celebrity who's you know gone to rehab or something, and there's the paparazzi following her around, and we just owe her some privacy. It's like no, that's somebody's running for president, right? Like they they do have a responsibility to the American people. Otherwise, why would we have ever supported them to, for the to be the most powerful person on planet Earth? Yeah. And I think it's it's a weird it's weird to me that Elizabeth Warren, who like really sat on sat on doing anything afterwards, is now being like Amy Coney Barrett is putting back anything progressive, blah, 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 blah. And like Elizabeth Warren to me was like arguably a wrecker. Right. To a left to a growing left. Like if she actually believed in what she espoused and she had those BLM blocks behind her. During um, yeah, cute. What was that thing that she had the BLM blocks behind? No, it her? was it was the no, it was the nomination of Joe Biden, and she was uh, casting the votes for Massachusetts, and was in a a nursery and with <laughs> with all the with all the BLM babies. Yeah, like I just like what is up with this like motherhood feminist like women women like mothering and like m- assuming yes. then generosity and good politics. I mean, I think it's 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 
all of those val like all of those ideas are, would be valuable if they in any way reflected how any of these 90 year old people conduct themselves on the political stage. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact is, is that like, I don't know, like at, at what point are you like, are you, are you motherly and, and sort of like embodying womanhood if you're playing politics at that level? I just sort of feel like that sucks any of those feelings or characteristics out of a person, um, male or female. Yeah. And speaking of like characteristics, so like Amy Klobuchar is like known as kind of like, you know, she's jokey. She has the same Trudeau joke that she does every time. And the same like I did a I did my like primary declaration in a blizzard. And yeah. And Trump called her snow woman and she tweeted back. I'd like to see how your (laughs) hair would fare in a blizzard. Yeah, we all know. Yeah, that's her one joke. And then he got cut out of the movie and blames Trudeau. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Can you talk about her grilling the ACA like line of argument? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good line of argument, which is basically, she's suggesting that Amy Coney Barrett, Barrett has written, I'm mixing her up with like Sasha Baron Cohen, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, uh, has, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good bit. We should lean into it. <laughs> we should lean into it. Yeah. Well, she's written extensively about how she thinks that like Robert's, um, you know, Robert's logic or reasoning for upholding the ACA is a stretch. And that like she basically has suggested in every which way that she would overturn it. And what Amy was trying to pin her down on, Amy Klobuchar was trying to pin Amy Coney Barrett down on was whether or not those writings function as sort of like an audition um, for her to get her current, both to get appointed to her current judgeship, which is I think she's sort of recently appointed to. um, But more importantly, um, her appointment to the Supreme Court. Um, And and Amy Coney Barrett was Amy, Amy Klobuchar was basically asking her repeatedly, like, did you, were you aware of Trump's view about the Affordable Care Act when you like wrote X or Y or Z? And she's like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. And Amy's like, well, did you watch the RNC in 2016? And Amy Coney Barrett's like, if I did, I don't remember. And all this stuff is true. But like the, the fact is, is it's like it's irrelevant, right? Like anybody who has has followed or watched Donald Trump and the Republicans since 2013 knows that they have sought to overturn Obamacare, both legislatively, but also through like the the judiciary. And there's no way that Amy Coney Barrett doesn't know that or didn't know that when she wrote those things. And it's it's almost like it's almost like irrelevant, right? You know what I mean? And 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 I was talking to somebody about this and and they were saying, like, well, at least the Democrats got to get all their stuff about the ACA out there. But I really don't think it's that effective. Um, because like all of if, if you didn't if you if you weren't listening to the prompts um, and all the context that was going into these questions, um, explaining why we have every reason to believe that Ace, Amy Coney Barrett, ACB would overturn the ACA, you wouldn't know because Amy just is very good at just pivoting to speaking in this language that nobody understands. Right. And like even even like I said, even the lawyers on the on the Judiciary Committee can't keep up with her. Um, and I just think they're getting dog walked and it's honestly embarrassing. Yeah, and I think it's funny and weird that they think they think her lack of response is like really bad, but it's like why would she admit to anything? She's smart. Well, she's just following the Ginsburg rule, right? I mean, that's like Yeah. She this 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 another gift that was given to us by Justice Ginsburg is the idea that um nominees shouldn't uh betray how they would rule um on any particular case in their confirmation hearings. Of course, that's the only thing interesting um, to hear about somebody like Amy Coney Barrett, unless you're going to go in on her, um, you know, for being uh, basically a cult member. But uh, I think uh, the decorum of the Senate wouldn't uh, permit that. Uh, it's different when you have somebody who got got drank too much beer and like may have may have assaulted a, a woman versus somebody being a member of 
a cult, which is, you know, also one of the major religions, um, or at least a part <laughs> of a major religion in the country, right? And all these Democrats yeah. know that, right? They can't insult Catholics. Yeah, yeah. That's like been the most interesting part to watch them kind of skirt around it in different ways. Um <laughs> To me, it's been interesting as a Muslim to watch them skirt around it. Yeah, my favorite. Uh, but, oh, go ahead. I was going to say my favorite part was when I can't I think it was uh, maybe like I can't remember who it was. One of the Democratic senators um, complimenting Amy Coney Barrett on her well-behaved like kids and family. And she starts listing off all her children and she's got is just like the, the list never ends. It's just like, all right. Yeah. Good old fashioned. Good old fashioned Catholic. I didn't know that that still existed. I usually think of like, I don't know. White people is just not having very many kids anymore. But the, I guess the Catholics are still still about that. You know what's funny, too? So, like, Democrats think they're, like, owning her by pointing out the fact that she has, like, so many kids, but specifically, like, has adopted some black children. Mm. And they're just like, oh, Amy has, like, and I'm like, no, you people are, like, so baby brain that you don't understand that, it, like, literally, none of this literally matters. It doesn't matter that she's a woman. It doesn't matter that she has black children. None of it matters. Like, people can have politics outside of their embodied their identity. I mean, but I think that that's like, like that's the game that the Republicans play so much better than us because like, I mean, if you're a frothing evangelical, evangelical or like a frothing fascist, you would be totally turned off by Amy Coney Barrett and this confirmation hearing. And the fact is, is that they don't care. They're trying to get the job done. The point is not to please the base with the confirmation hearing. The point is to get her on the Supreme Court so she can do evil. Like this is just yeah. a, this is just like a necessary part of that ultimate agenda. But that's why she's willing to say things like I've never discriminated by race. I've never discriminated based on sexual preference. She's not doing some secret code to the base. She just knows that the base understands that she's going to say those things and still do what they want, which is to basically undermine the rights of, uh, you know, uh, females and uh, LGBT people, right? Like that's what they want. They don't, they don't care how she acts in these hearings. It's, it's us that, that are caught up on the, on the virtue signaling stuff. That, that's what we do is, is we try to signal clap, clap, you know, tear up Trump's speech and then do nothing there. That's a democratic tactic. Yeah. The or like, at least she's not rude. Like I've seen a lot of like, she's so well-mannered and tempered. And I'm like, are you okay? Right. Like, Who cares? This, is like this is extremely like bad. Like this is very materially bad. Like people can be rude, which I think is like the biggest part of like the Democrats failure. They're very into like, at least people are not rude. And are they rude? Um, but I'm, I'm wondering um, any last words on this, on, on our week of watching, Watching this happen, it's going to pass. I mean, it's going to pass. She's going to get confirmed. Of course she is. Of course she is. I mean, I just think that the, my, my, the, the way that I am ending this is the way that I started it, which is I think it's a real shame that the Democrats even, even showed up. Um, but they may have created political conditions um, by being so feckless in the past that um, to do something that dramatic would have uh, turned off their base, which I guess is, you know, people who are, uh, you know, the, the civilized ones in America. Yeah. And like my last thing is like how the Democratic Party spent more money and resources and energy towards basically fighting off Bernie Sanders than they did on fighting off the potential of an Amy Coney Barrett. Right. Yeah. Like they could have they could have they could have like given they could have been like blood doping Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know what could have been done. Honestly, I think that the, the, the our fates were sealed. And honestly, like you'd think um, you'd think that somebody who's as notorious as notorious RGB would have seriously considered this eventuality when she decided not to, or re retiring. Not to retire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but I thought, I, I don't know. And oh, the last thing, she couldn't name the five freedoms protected by the First Amendment and people are really hung up on it. What do you think? I, I, th- so, if, I don't know. If they're trying, I think honestly, like people were like, I, I don't know if you remember the DeVos confirmation hearings, but I think that maybe, maybe with a little bit of like internalized misogyny, people were like, oh, another like nutter butter. Like this is going to be like DeVos <laughs> and we're going to make her look dumb. And the fact is, is that um, she's, not like Betsy DeVos. She's smart. She's much smarter than Betsy DeVos. She's maybe smarter than even a lot of these Democratic lawyers. And like, um, you know, in terms of like a question of just basic memorization like that, I mean, if you'd asked me what the five freedoms are uh, in the First Amendment, I would have gotten hung up on the same one she did. Then again, I'm not a I'm not a nominee for to be on the Supreme Court, but seems like grasping at straws. Same thing with her saying the thing about um you know how she's always respected people's sexual preference and it's like people are going oh, after yeah. her for not saying sexual orientation, which I don't know if that is going to turn out to have been significant uh, or not. But to me, it just feels like she gave us so little to work with compared to somebody like Kavanaugh or even Gorsuch. You know, I don't know if you remember in the Gorsuch hearings, um, they brought up the frozen trucker case where basically he ruled that a company was right to fire uh, a truck driver who like disconnected his cab from his cargo uh, to avoid freezing to death. And he was fired for that. Um, like even even uh, cases like that, where I think anybody with ba- a basic sense of decency would be like, OK, Gorsuch is a monster, even though he came at it from like, you know, some legal theory of literalism. Um, you know, it's it sort of like it was clear to the American people that this was like this guy was that this guy was bad news. And I don't think they pulled that off. Even at that level with Amy Coney Barrett, um, I, I, I really just think that um, she walked all over us. Um, and yeah. Uh, OK, Dawson. So last last week, there was some hysteria around this fly on Mike Pence's snow white hair. Yeah. And it, it was it was painful. And I had to mute these words on my timeline and mute other words. And I still kept seeing it. And I don't understand the hysteria beyond maybe Kamala didn't kill it. So everybody had to talk about this fly for two days. I mean, truly, like um, she's she turns out Kamala Harris is just kind of dry and boring. Like, I, I mean, like I thought the fly thing, it just gave me the creeps. It was weird. It made me feel like I had a fly on my <laughs> head. Like, honestly, like it was just like the kind of thing that was like it was like maybe like momentarily funny that you have just like this guy who's um you know, is either like an alien and just like without like on like no ability to feel or just more realistically was just like had so much hairspray that he just like, you know, didn't feel the didn't fly. feel the fly land on it. Um, and obviously, like it's picturesque because um, it's like flies are attracted to shit. But I just thought it was kind of like <laughs> as soon as you see it, it's like every possible joke that you could make about it instantly plays out in your head in like four nanoseconds. And so we didn't we didn't need to see it uh, on our timelines for three days. It got a little bit gratuitous. Yeah. And then there was like also like um, Joe Biden tweeting about it. And then there was people who made shirts. I don't know. I just was like, what happened during that debate? Nothing. Like because the fly took over it. It was basically honestly, that debate was um, the exact same debate as the Trump Biden debate um, in terms of its value add. um, But just like with a little bit less like a little bit less senile. Like, I don't know, ultimately, like <laughs> a little bit less geriatric. Yeah, truly. I mean, like, like, like Kamala Harris and, and Mike Pence are just two very boring people. And and also, like, like, I don't know, like even even Kamala Harris's like best moments where she kind of like silenced Pence or did the whole like, you know, um, I guess like I'm speaking. Yeah, like, it's like very librarian. But I'm like, oh, yeah, get own, own him. Like, I don't know. Uh, the The fact, too, is it's just like. Mike Mike Pence is just is just going to go up there and it's just going to lie. Right. And so like 
um, you know, you can fact check this guy for many hours. Um, I think maybe I don't know what she could have done differently. I just think that the whole thing is just boring at this point. Like, I want to see the Suns debate. I mean, I think that would be a much more interesting thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I'm My money would be on Hunter, obviously. Um, he wears two gold chains. I think it's good. So, uh, so I, one of the travel guys tweeted that he looks like uh, he looks like Jordan Peterson on an all pussy diet. I also thought he looked like Jordan Peterson. Um, and one of my friends tweeted she wants those gold chains dangled in front of her face. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, we can't deny that he looks good. Yeah, for sure. Or I don't know. It's up for debate, Dawson. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, think he looks I, good. I think that there's like something charming about Hunter Biden uh, and just like his sort of troubledness and the fact that he is like so clearly like good natured and just kind of like, you know, misguided. And you're like, I don't know, like who can I identify with those things? And you've talked, you're talking about somebody who's coming from a family of just like, you know, of just social climbers. Right. And he's like kind of the black sheep um, still manages to do some crime. You know what I mean? Some corruption, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, the idea of that guy is just being kind of an antihero. I like him. I think he's got I think he's got a lot more charisma than the Trump kids. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I guess I have Biden in Florida. Yeah. Tell, tell me about Biden in Florida. Is there a clip I should play? Wait, did you watch it? Yeah. The, the, the Biden Florida socialist. Yeah. If you can play it, uh, if you have it up. I look like a socialist. Look. I'm the guy that ran against the socialists. Remember, I got in trouble during the whole campaign. Twenty some candidates. Joe Biden was too centrist, too moderate, too straightforward. That was Joe Biden. I have taken on the very people that, in fact, we're worried about. I've taken on the Castros of the world. I've taken on the Putins of the world. I've taken on all these dictators. I haven't cozied up to them. I'm the guy that's been straightforward with them. I'm the guy that's let them know it stops here. It stops with me. It stops with me as president. I am no more a socialist than, uh, or a communist than Donald Trump is. Well, I won't say it. Anyway. So they need not worry. Just look at the record. There's not one single syllable that I've ever said that could lead you to believe that I was a socialist or a communist. He said the word communist. Um, and but but the Bernie Sanders attack was annoying to me because he was like, I don't need those voters. Yeah. And it's like, no, you actually do. I mean, right. And I think like that's the extent to which I agree with like the that that take. Right. Like. Like, I, I don't know why you would actively try to alienate that part of your base. I mean, you notice how Trump is like unwilling to say things that like, oh, white supremacists are unequivocally bad and I like don't want their support. And it doesn't seem and it seems like that's like like almost like shows more understanding of just like where his bread is buttered than Biden understands. And like, I think it's fine for him to say that, like, I'm not a socialist, but maybe don't. I don't get why they harp on the on the communism in, in Cuba thing and Maduro and, and these sort of like pink tide government stuff, because I think that like the only people that they're going to get with that is like Florida voters. So I think it's just like trying to win Florida, maybe. Um, but, you know, you're pissing off people like me in every state. So I don't I like I just like don't get it um, as a strategic choice. Yeah, well, I think. I think it's like really weird to me that he was fixated. The, the beginning of his answer was I ran against a socialist. Yeah. When Bernie is like stomping the pavement for him. Right. Um, yeah, it's not a choice that I would have made. But I, I think that like at this at the same time, like show me the lie. Like he's telling the truth. 
Um, and I think that like if he had come out there and been like, hey, socialist, you know, I'm pretty socialist. People on the left would be like, no, you're not. You know what I mean? But um, maybe maybe it would be better for him to say like, hey, uh, you know, this whole socialism as like a scare word is, you know, what do we what do you mean when you say socialism? Do you mean, uh, you know, social security? Yeah, I support that. Do you mean the U.S. military? That's socialism. You know what I mean? Like he could do more to just like defend it than be like. Um, but you got to remember, this guy's like 78 years old. So like most of his life, be like, um, you know, uh, there was like a re- it was like a red scare. You know what I mean? Like being a socialist was like is like almost like being a fascist. Right. Like that, at least that's how it was perceived publicly. So like, I don't know. Um, in my opinion, uh, the public's moving on uh, and, and, and isn't offended by that word, but is definitely like sus- skeptical of capitalism. Right. So. Yeah, well, I guess it's just like to me watching that as somebody who like the first primary I voted in was this one for Bernie Sanders out of all the times I've been allowed to vote. Um, Yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, you don't need those votes. Like, why does Democrats abroad call me every day and text me and email me three times a day and ask me to DHL my because he he said that. And then he was like, I don't need those votes like our base. So like, who are you appealing to? Like Miami Cubans? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and trying to win one state, which Hillary lost and didn't need to win to win the, to carry the election. Right. Biden only needs to to not lose any of those other states that Hillary won um, and also pick up um, Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Uh, the idea that they're going to win Florida, I think, is just it's a long shot. Um, and it's oh, not yeah. It. It's like a long shot. Yeah. And, and it's just like weird to me because you're alienating a big part you're alienating a big following. Like I saw people upset about that statement just because it was more about the wording versus right. like, I'm not a socialist. He was just like, he was more anti-socialist than Trump has been right. with his like, with his like, which is like, how, like, I don't know why the Dems can't build a bigger tent. Yeah. And, and also it's just like, we don't see that same type of alienation. Like the Republican party doesn't do that for their, to, to, for their like extremely right wing base. Right. Like all, almost everything they do is for the base. Yeah. Well, I guess like my other my other big thing is just like they like Dems have this big fixation on suburban moms, right? Right. Huge fixation on suburban moms, like ever since uh, Trump won. And I still see it uh, like a big fixation on suburban moms and some of the Democrat abroad like branding and emails I get. It's literally like suburban mom type, like have tea with us on Zoom and like talk about mom issues. Um, and it's like, okay, well, like, how about when they started spiraling because um, the Taliban endorsed Donald Trump because uh, he won't like he, he will like not he will be better, arguably, for Afghanistan and like the Middle East. Right. Arguably, Donald Trump is better. Right. And <laughs> maybe the troops will come out. Oh, my I don't gosh. know your take on it. My take. I mean, my take on that is that that was just it's just an insane thing. Like, I get why they, I get why they would do that. Right. But you're basically doing. Um, exactly. You're, you're trying to do like, you're trying to like bill crystal America and be like, Oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, look at, look at, look at this guy, um, who has the ability to work with, you know, this sort of like right wing group, uh, religious extremist group abroad. Um, and the truth is, is like, we know why the Taliban endorses Trump is endorsing Trump and it's because, um, they think that he is like more favorable towards, like the end of American occupation of Afghanistan than like a Biden administration, right? We know how Obama was on those issues. And we know how like, kind of like the centrist foreign policy establishment is on that issue, right? They, they're appalled by the idea of negotiating with the Taliban or pulling out of Afghanistan, right? Um, 
But when you just say he's endorsed by the Taliban, it kind of it's like saying that someone's endorsed by like ISIS or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. People people (laughs) just think of like extremist, you know, very like fundamentalist group. And and that's like the political tack that they were taking. But I mean, I I think a normal person would be like even like 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 especially like a Trump, a Trump sympathetic person would be like, huh, I wonder if there's more to that. Like. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The Democrats, the way they took it up was like, that's why I think the weird suburban mom focus, they were just like, look, look, he's endorsed by the Taliban. He's endorsed. Whereas like, why wouldn't they like ask that question? Right. There's probably more to that. But also think about the base of young people who are very anti-occupation and anti-war and they pander so much to suburban moms, but can't pander to any other group. I mean, that's right. Like that's, that is who cares those are that is the the demographic of people that like listen to Bill Crystal and are like, if only more Republicans were like this, like we'd be OK. Or like people like that, like really like worship the Lincoln Project or like, you know what I mean? Like that, mm. that that's that that's that like complex, right? The suburban mom industrial. I should call it the suburban mom industrial complex. Uh, it was closely related to the military industrial complex. Um, <laughs> and that and that's who they're trying to, 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 to get with that. Right. But I think it's just like. Um, it's also just like, I don't know, cutting, it's, it's trying to cut at Trump's, you know, idea of being like, it's, 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 it's actually kind of trying to like undercut his like claim to being the most Islamophobic or like anti-Muslim candidate, uh, in the field. Right. Cause that's what Trump tries to do is, is, is it's like, if you're skeptical of Muslims, I'm your candidate and saying like, oh, well he's endorsed by the Taliban. I think it, it's, it's trying to raise eyebrows <laughs> for people, but like also like, which of those people do you think are going to flip at this point? You know, it's it's what it's October fifteenth, sixteenth. What is it? October fifteenth, twenty twenty. Like, how many people are like, yeah, I've been a Trump supporter this whole time, but once I heard he was endorsed by the Taliban, <laughs> like you, like that's when I decided I was going to support Joe. Um, you know, maybe if it were twenty sixteen, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And then speaking of pandering, um, I'd love if we could play the, the the rap battle clip. Let's do it. Yo, why you ain't been answering your phone? You know why I'm calling you. You have to vote. You know why I don't vote? Because as a black man, I just feel like there's no hope. Our president telling people to go back to China, taking the coronavirus as a joke. And that's the part that frightened me. When you choose a president, it's supposed to be a knockout. Then why this situation doesn't entice me? If you got the answers to get me out this dark path, my brother, enlighten me. How do you feel? Yeah. So this first part where, where, uh, uh, I think it's, it's Charlie clip. What, what, okay. Char- DNA is the one who wants Charlie clips to vote. Is that, am I understanding that right? Yeah, that's oh. what I understood. Okay. So the first, the first thing is Charlie clips basically saying like, uh, there's, there's no hope, um, electing a president supposed to be a knockout punch. Um, and, uh, and I, I just like, don't believe it. So like, I gotta be honest when I first heard, um, that this was a thing. My, my reaction was like, I was expecting to like, um, to like open it up and it would be like a WAP, but it'd be like wet ass ballot or something like that. Like I was expecting it to be just like t- terrible. Um, and so the first time I listened to this, I was actually kind of impressed because, um, it does like flow and it is like, you know, uh, it's, it comes off as being like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like a, a, a well executed, uh, a well executed, uh, terrible idea right and and so like this, <laughs> yeah. the, the first the first time i listened to it that was like that was my takeaway it was like i was i was i was surprised that it wasn't more uh uh you know uh campy um and then the second time i listened to it and like paid attention i was like no wait this actually is, is total bullshit right 
Um, so it starts with, with Charlie Clip saying like, um, why should I vote? Electing a president is supposed to be a knockout punch. We always telling each other to stay woke. That's why this time we gotta use our voice and you have to vote. The facts should show. Biden has a plan for African-Americans. We are not dealing with your average Joe. I see the way you looking right now. You know exactly where I'm gonna go with this. For four years, we had Trump in office and we made the most of it. But we finally got somebody that could be in office that could give us a chance to have home ownership. I'm talking to all of you, $640 billion over the course of 10 years so we can finally get housing that's affordable. Look at him now, I got him stuck. With Biden and Harris plan, we gotta trust because we can't say we support Obamacare but rock with Trump. Okay, that, so, 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 so that part, I think my, like, I, I want you to react to, but like my, my reaction to that is like, this almost went somewhere. Like the, the idea of talking about something like black home ownership, I think is like, um, actually does reflect like, uh, so some of the, like the attitudes are of like discontent that like, I actually see in like more progressive, like more socialist, or even just like less, um, blue, no matter who, uh, black communities in Minneapolis, at least. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? So like I like full disclosure, uh, I haven't lived in the U.S. for a bit. And uh, I've been like the the Americans I know here are part of Democrats abroad. And it's very white. For sure. Extremely white. So what I know of Democrats and the concerns are very white. Yeah. But um, yeah, the the Obamacare reference was so interesting to me because it's like, I don't think Joe Biden is going to give you health care either. Right. But whatever. I mean, that's like that's the thing is like they, they, they captured this like real like act, like a, like real anger of like black activists. But then like all of the issues that they discuss are like issues that like Jim Clyburn would be paying attention to. And like Jim Clyburn already like endorsed Joe Biden in a primary. You know what I mean? Like the, the next thing that happens is, is this. So Harris and Biden is going to help with black ownership, huh? OK, maybe it's true. But what about the black colleges and all the funding for the HBCUs? OK, what what person is like, you know, I, I'm not voting this year because I don't think Biden's going to come through for the HBCUs. I like literally don't know who that doesn't exist. Like, that's <laughs> not a thing. It doesn't exist. Right. Like like that's like the, the, the things that DNA is promising Charlie Clips are all things that like if that was like somebody's top issues, they probably wouldn't be on this basketball court like having this argument. You know, that energy is like that. That how do you do fellow kids energy meme like that meme? That's like the, the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I get the vibe. Like, honestly, I think that the like tone and tenor like matches like the tone and tenor of like the Black Lives Matter movement in Minneapolis. It's just that the, conver the, the issues that they're having a conversation about are not the are not the issues that those activists are having. Right. Because like it would be yeah. the same shouting match, but it'd be about like defunding the police. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be yeah, about yeah. Well, HBCUs. <laughs> We'll we'll like keep listening, but I the at the midpoint I'm getting the Hillary Clinton hot sauce flashbacks. Yeah, I know. I mean, except for that, like this time it's not. It's it's this time at least it, these these are two like black men. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not just yeah. like, like I don't know. At least but at I least guess they the audience, them. the audience sure. that liked it. But which of those people like are not already voting? Like I I don't know. Like I think this is this is like. Um, I, this is resistance Dems it, for sure. Right. And it's also like I'm looking at it. It's like got 141,000 views on YouTube, which makes tells me it wasn't hasn't been very successful. Um, it didn't like go viral on TikTok or something, um, which is what you yeah. need to do if you're actually going to cut through to like, I don't know, youth. <laughs> um, anyway, let's keep listening. Is Biden going to follow in Obama footsteps and go all out with health care? 
Yeah, Obama's notoriously went all out with health care. Yeah, <laughs> like my face. <laughs> is Biden going to follow in Obama's footsteps and go all out with health care? Or is he going to laugh at us like our president now while our people struggle on welfare? So, so again, there's a little bit of neoliberalism um, wrapped into this, which is that the guy's basically saying like that the problem is that black people are kind of like stuck on welfare as opposed to like moving up and out, um, which I think is like, is not necessarily a sentiment that's not there. Right. And like when you talk, that's why I said that I think like the, the, the black homeownership piece is real. Cause I think that that like sentiment of like wanting to like have more social mobility is like very real, right? Like just cause someone's black and just because someone's an activist doesn't mean that they're a socialist. But I think that like, for me, I'm like, what if being on welfare didn't mean that you're living a miserable life. <laughs> like what if being on welfare, like, or like, first of all, what is welfare in American life? But also like, um, you know, like what if, what if those like that welfare state, like didn't like guarantee somebody like a, a life of just like sort of like mediocrity or like misery or just like scarcity. Yeah. And like scrolling through the replies, there's like over well over a thousand, a lot of people are saying that they just want economic justice or healthcare or defunding the police and, and some somebody compared it to Hillary Clinton doing the Nene dance. Really? Um, yeah. Even That's though it's funny. not, even though it's not Joe doing it, um, I guess the feeling from people. But a lot of people are just using the healthcare please meme in response to this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, the, the, my problem with that is that Joe Biden doesn't appear to have a a, a real movement uh, around any type of like change to healthcare, right? I think that like he's proposing a public option, but like when he was criticized um, by Trump for supporting a public option in the debate, he didn't defend a public option. He just he just walked it back and said like, nope, uh, it's only for Medicaid, P people on Medicaid right now. You're, it's not gonna apply to anybody. And like, to me, it's like, yeah. he was like, I, I obviously like he's misquoting his own policy there and like doesn't understand what a public option is. But like, you would think like, I don't know, like for me, it's like the way to win an election is to make it about healthcare. <laughs> right. And isn't isn't Joe Biden also like didn't he like say that his big amendment is that instead of waiting till you're like 68, you can be 65 when you get health care. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe, like maybe lowering the age of hell. Medicare eligibility <laughs> is part of his platform. Um, uh, I don't know. I think Joe Biden, I think that's like one area where I'm like surprised. It's like I'm surprised that a mainstream candidate for office thinks that um like a $15 national minimum wage is like not too radical, but that just like guaranteed healthcare is. Um, especially when, to me, like that's an election winner, not an election loser. I I, I don't think that there's that many people um, who are afraid of socialized medicine anymore, except for like you said, those suburban moms, right? And Bill Crystal. Mm -hmm. um, right, yeah, well, we can keep watching this. You see, I did my research, which is exactly why I could rebuttal that. Biden and Harris planning to put 70 billion to the HBCU. We not just talking about a couple racks, giving teachers a raise. What Trump attempted to do, they plan to double that. And as far as the rich and poor with schools, the whole goal is to end the funding gap. That sounds legit. Only if our president now would quit. Hey, did you know that unemployment for African-Americans is up this percent? So when Okay, can we, can we can we go, can we listen to that one more time? Because I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah. Hey, did you know that unemployment for African-Americans is up this percent? It's like they, they didn't want to say a specific percentage because they want this to be timeless. 
That's what I, yeah. Like, do you hear what I'm, you heard him saying, right? Like, it's like, it's like rewind and it's, it's gibberish, whatever Charlie Clips is saying. Hey, did you know that unemployment for African-Americans is up this, you know, percent? Like you're here, I'm not like crazy, right? Like that's, it's, they. No, I don't get a number from it. And I didn't get a number from it when I first listened to right. it. Right, no, they're trying, they want this to be timeless, which is hilarious. <laughs> this is going to be a timeless piece. Just make up a number. Anyway, let's, let's keep listening. When you tell me to go and vote, go and vote. But the reason why it's such a hard one, because how we expect our people to get jobs and the president can't even get the job done. See, see, so, so the issue I have with this is not the whole like, unemployment thing or black people not being able to get jobs it's the fact that he says how can we expect our people to get jobs when um the president can't even get the job done and it's like i don't know it's like those are like to me that's like really disjointed and like kind of a non sequitur it's like you're, you're you're saying like how can we how can we get jobs which is like this fundamental social justice problem and then like resolving it by saying like if only the president were competent which i think is like those are two distinct things, right? Because I think everybody would say that Obama was like a competent president in terms of just like basic, basically running the government, but like didn't do a lot for like in, like decreasing inequality between black black and white communities. Yeah, it was, I don't understand. Like, okay, so I've like listened to battle rap a bit and like not to get all like scholarly about battle rap as a genre. And this is just not a good piece, but we can keep going. <laughs> Bro, I understand it's a process, so I'm not rushing you. Take your time. You know what? Speaking of that, I got the perfect place to take you that'll change your mind. So you think because you brought me here that I'm just supposed to confide in Biden? What about the innocent blacks that get snatched out their vehicles just for riding? We don't even ask for much. All we do is ask for respect. Before they did what they did to George Floyd, this country had their foot on our neck. Now, do you understand why I'm upset? I feel you, because every time we throw the system an uppercut, all they give us in return is low blows. But Biden and Harris got a plan to outlaw the chokehold. It's inspiring. Donald Trump is the apprentice, but now it's our turn to do the firing. So his response to that, to, to, to Charlie Clips's plea that like, for you know, for 400 years, I'm 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 paraphrasing, like adding my own interpretation, but like for 400 years, the American America has had its proverbial knee on the neck of black people, right? And DNA's response is, well, they're gonna ban chokeholds. <laughs> like I don't know, like to, like, me, like to me, it's like Charlie Clips is doing a really good job of kind of like expressing the agitation of these communities and like why they would be skeptical of like voting for a candidate, but DNA is not providing the answers. <laughs> Yeah, and then we're gonna get to another part where I'm I'm still kind of like, did this actually happen? And they actually and review everything we're supposed to even before we hire them. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Eric Gardner, Trayvon Martin, say their damn names. The goal is to get Donald out of office and Trump his campaign. You know, before you actually called my phone, I honestly had no hope. But if Biden and Harris gonna do exactly what you said then I'm going to go vote. All right. So, of course, it resolves where Charlie Clips decides that he's actually going to go vote uh, for, for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. What are your thoughts? Um, I just don't understand how after the summer of uprisings where so many people have brought up that Obama was in office during 
the mur- murder of Michael Brown. Right. Why a presidential switch shift would like logically have saved any of those people that they just named and supposedly allegedly honored in this video. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like even just like the concept of saying Black Lives Matter, like that was a controversial thing to say. And like under Obama, t- under Obama in like 2015, 20, even in like 2016. And like now it's like, you know, it's like check out the I can't breathe line of Victoria's Secret. You know what I mean? Like it's just totally yeah. been mainstream and like commodified. And like that's a good thing. Like, it's like a sign of like progress. But at the same time, like at the same time, it's like, you know, like these like cultural signifiers and even just like being able to say like say their names and stuff. It's like that's great. But if the same like the, 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 you say somebody's name, you it's saying saying their names is like a way of forcing the people in charge to like remember that these people were like killed by the system. But like if it's the people in charge saying like, say their names, like to me, that's insulting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I, I, I don't know what the answer is on police brutality of police reform and stuff like that. But I know that it's more than just like banning chokeholds because uh, it turns out that the chokehold that uh, Derek Chauvin was using on George Floyd was already on an unauthorized chokehold. Right. So like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like that's not substantive. Well, they also name like Eric Garner, right? Where it's like, that's another situation where chokeholds were banned. Right. But also like my big thing is like, how does defunding not come up? But HCBUs came up. Right. Well, I mean, because these people. HBCUs. Because these people are, are, it's like, it's like if Jim, if, if, if it's like, if you're like local Black Lives Matter activists had the same affect and like, you know, um, mannerisms and personalities, but like had Jim Clyburn's politics. Right. Like that's that's ultimately like what it is. It's like, you know what I mean? It's kind of just like but like the thing is, is like those the, those people, those folks with that politics are already like not questioning voting for Joe Biden. Right. Like they like they liked him even more than they like other candidates in the Democratic primary, even candidates of color. Oh, yeah. And the primary, he did super well. He in, crushed um, it. Was it North Carolina or South Carolina? Yeah. Wherever Jim, wherever Jim Cliver is from. Hold on. Pardon? Wherever Clyburn is from. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. It was wherever Clyburn was from, exactly. Yeah, he's from uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. Yeah, I just found it very, very, like, weird that... when Okay, so when this video came out, I sent it to my my favorite rap battler, Soul Con. Okay. uh, Who's, like, a legend in the field um, of rap battle, and he's kind of retired, but he did a battle last year. He's a white guy from New York, but he's, uh, he's won many rap battles. And he just found it so embarrassing, this rap battle being used for electoral politics, because it goes against what rap battle is meant for. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they I, I have I, I would just I would suspect that uh, Charlie Clips and DNA were paid a hefty sum for, <laughs> for their contribution. <laughs> Time. Yeah, I would think that they, that's probably it was involved. I don't think these two men are just, uh, you know, uh, into electoral politics. Right. Yeah. Or like super inspired by Joe Biden, um, even if they are going to vote for him. Well, like, no, thanks for analyzing that with me. I don't know. What's your what's your big takeaway from this? Do you think this will win any votes? This rap battle that has you got 140,000 views? You know, I don't think it's going to lose any. Let's just say that. It's, it's just, another, it's just another thing that makes me kind of roll my eyes and kind of groan. Um, and I think that like, like I said, it's, I, when you first told me that there was a, a, a Biden rap battle, I was literally expecting to like, listen to like a Nicki Minaj track, but like with the lyrics swapped out for like, I don't know, like get your ballot, fill it out. 
you know, send it in and make it count. Like that's literally what I was expecting. Oh, that's so good. Dawson, that's so good. <laughs> Biden should hire you. Right. Exactly. I wasn't expecting like, I was, ex- I wasn't expecting this. So this exceeded my expectations in terms of its like level of like artisticness <laughs> and stuff. But I still think it just still makes me roll my eyes. Um, because in my view, it's like Charlie Clips brought up a lot of good points uh, and then DNA didn't answer any of them. And I, I'm not convinced that Charlie Clips would have been convinced by DNA uh, yeah, yeah. if they were real people and yeah. not uh, paid. Uh, I don't think DNA celebrities. won the rap battle. Right. I mean, that's like kind of like implied by the fact that Charlie Clips is going to vote. Right. Like that's like, yeah. how, how else would you judge that rap battle? Yeah. With a vague number, percentage of unemployment. Right. Zip, 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 zip. Yeah, just like, oh man. And and just like the last pandering thing I want to talk about. Well, actually, either like the Kamala shoe discourse, which I think is the weirdest thing I've seen since um in the longest time. I haven't seen something like that in a long time. Yeah, you're gonna have to enlighten me because I, I honestly I don't even know if you know what you're talking about. Oh wow. You do you remember from Bernie Sanders' campaign Sarah Sarah Pearl? She was like one of his video people. Uh yeah. She made Bernie's like super beautiful videos. Mm. So she got hired by the Biden campaign, sure. um, which is super interesting to me how all these Bernie staffers very comfortably shifted to Biden, I guess, to make his videos look a bit better. Right. Especially for like a videographer. It's, it's an easy transition, right? Because like that person's primary thing is like their skill, not their politics. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting because like my heart can't do stuff like that with it when I work. For sure. I mean, well, <laughs> think about like somebody like some Simone Sanders, right? Like that's like the, the, the like keystone example of somebody who just like totally sold out. Um, but at least in these yeah. people's defense, Bernie was out of the race when they hopped on board. Yeah. So so she did that and she became part of Biden's campaign. So his, his videos started to look better um, and some of like the pictures that they've been taken. So she's one of the people who started fawning over Kamala's shoe game. So Kamala is known right now. There was an article that came out about her converse, her white converse, and then now her Tim's. And people are like, oh, Kamala's shoe game. And it's and she's relatable and she's stopping the payment, blah, 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 blah. And I just think about how like these aesthetic symbols like actually mean something to like such a weird part of the population. Cause then, then it started like kind of trending one night that Kamala Harris wears white converse. So it was, it wasn't like 10 people. It was a lot of people. (laughs) When I think of both those things, I think of like shoes that were popular for like white girls, uh, like 10, 10 plus years ago. So like, it's clearly Mm -hmm. like not, in my view, that they think it's like astroturf, but for like style, because it's like I don't, I can't think of anybody who still thinks that that's like edgy or cool or anything other than then just kind of like bland and normal. Um, so, you know, maybe it's like, um, you know, it's like the parents uh, who started copying their kids' uh, style choices and, and outfits because they wanted to be cool, and then Kamala Harris copied them, and they're they're the ones yes queening uh, her. Maybe because I also was like, wasn't weren't white Converse cool in like 2015? Wasn't that yeah, the year for white Converse? I mean, I think white Converse comes and goes over the years, right? Like, I think that that it's, it's a it's a it's a it's something that will never officially be out of style. They'll just come and go. But like my big my other big thing. Yeah, that's a good point. But my other big thing is like, how do you like this person's going to like affect you as like a, your everyday life? Why right. do you care about what their shoes look like? Yeah, um, it's because that she's boring and they're try- desperately trying to make her into some like black feminist pop icon that she's just incapable of being. 
They have been trying to make her a pop icon. Have you seen the picture of her from the 80s floating around when she had short hair? Let me look it up. And they've been trying to make her uh, cool for to Canadians because she lived in Montreal for a bit. And they've been like, Canada loves her. And I'm like, no one in Canada loves her. And the Canadians started like yelling at the New York Times for saying that and writing a piece about it. Mm. Nobody in Canada cares about Kamala Harris right now. Right. In my everyday life. And it was a piece that's like, Canadians love Kamala Harris. And I was like, literally no one here loves her. Most people don't know she lived here. We have to understand that like as journalism dies and it's just replaced by PR uh, firms, like a story like that, I guarantee you is written by the Kamala Harris campaign. That's that's a good point. Like, I don't know, like I like like I, I like no journalist is writing that story. Like that's just a story that's been written for them. And it's all just part of this like. This has honestly become a more cynical episode than I thought it was going to be. I feel like I, I feel like I've been a lot more just like kind of like doomery and negative and like not even about serious stuff, but just like basics, just like cynicism about like American political theater. But like to me, that's what that is. It's just a, it's just noise. It's a waste of time. But it's like somebody's job. You know what I mean? Like somebody's job is to like shop those to like just like mill those types of just like nothing stories to like the media, and, you know, just try to. Yeah, like, no. We can, uh, yeah, I agree with you. We can switch to something more fun, which is like, do you think the left needs more public intellectuals? Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've talked about. I mean, my, my answer is like, yeah, I really do. Like, I think that like the, the, so the like for, for background, like the reason we're talking about this, um, not to get into details, is just like this, con- like this, this question of like Chomsky um, telling people to vote for Biden um, and just like people kind of questioning, like if we we need people like Chomsky. And my answer is yes, because I think that like, For one, it's just like for me, it's just like the idea that that a movement wouldn't have any room for elders. I think it's just kind of like arrogant and a a little bit offensive. Like there's people in Minneapolis politics that are like lefties from like way back who just like have a ton of experience. And like sometimes they're like a little bit cringy and like people are like, oh, my God, can you believe this person? But it's like, yeah, I don't know if somebody's been been real and been fighting against American empire and like white supremacy and capitalism for like 80 years and or, or, you know, not necessarily 80 years, but decades. Like, I think that's like hugely important because like not every question is just like a simple moral choice. Like, I think that like progressives are like really competent and like they're kind of like moral judgments and like they should be. But ultimately, like we don't know everything. Right. Just because you can kind of like basically tell right from wrong and like look racism in the face and be like, that's wrong or like look like capitalism in the face and say that things are wrong. Does not mean that like you're going to like that, that, that like experience plays no role in like strategizing and stuff. Like what, one of the things that like, I think is, is like history repeats itself. And so like you need, you need people who can like connect to that history, who can like help navigate like certain things so that like people aren't just making the same mistakes over and over again. Right. That's the one thing we know is that like in American history, there's never really been, you know, um, a lasting socialist order. And like, so we're, we're, we're just, we're not going to just stumble our way there with like moral discernment and just like values. We need, we need people, um, who are, who have wisdom to offer. I don't think that's such a bad thing. Yeah. And I guess like my, so like, um, I haven't voted yet. Um, I'll admit that Uh, anybody who follows me on the Internet probably knows that because I just keep yelling about Democrats abroad. But I would not argue or like push back on Chomsky's logic of voting right now. But also like the man has just taken so much like 
so much shit for like the last 50 years. And like he's he people have wanted to fire him. He like thought he was going to get arrested at multiple points in his life. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's just a little bit disheartening to like, I don't care about the bit or whatever. And like people were like, oh, you just don't want to challenge old people. And I'm like, no, challenging old people is fine. I guess it's more like disheartening to see people just like about him and Bernie Sanders, who Bernie Sanders has he's casted some lonely votes. Right. He has casted some extremely lonely votes. Chomsky has had very lonely decisions. And so when Chomsky, the first like, uh, oh, Chomsky's old and out of touch happened with the cancel culture letter, which Chomsky is not super online. People have tried to cancel him and his friends like I understood why he signed it, the Harper's letter. Yeah, the problem with the Harper's letter isn't that Chomsky signed it. It's that so did Barry Weiss, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. literally the, the the Harper's letter is like is is totally on point. But for the fact that like cancel culture, disposability culture has always existed. It just hasn't historically been directed at like people in power. And it's been directed at people like Chomsky, right? So, like, that's the problem yeah. with the Harper's letter. And there's no problem signing it. It's just that other people shouldn't have been part of that. <laughs> yeah, well, the, that's, like, the weird thing. So, like, a month ago or whatever, two months ago, whenever that happened, time is a blur. Um, people were so mad at Chomsky. And I'm like, do you understand what he's gone through? And then right now people are so mad at Chomsky for saying, uh, voting, vote out Trump. He's the most evil president, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's 91 years old. Like, can we have some left elders? Like, right. <laughs> like. And he's also like in that case, like his his point is like basically that um, is basically just cl- based on the climate question. Right. And I think that like, I mean, like, I don't know, like I, I don't want to we said we said we weren't going to do this topic. So I don't want to like, said we aren't going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't want to like go into it more. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I think that like I understand I understand his point. And like, I, I you know, whether it comes to like if, I don't think that somebody is deserving of respect just because they're an elder. But I also don't think that they're yeah, yeah. I don't think that they should are deserving of not of not respect just because they're an elder either. Right. Like, I, and, and I think that like um, Chomsky is like he's never he's like he, he's yet to really surprise me. Right. Like everybody knew he was going to say um, vote for Joe Biden um, once he was the nominee. Right. This is not new information about Chomsky. Um, and, it, and it's definitely not something that's changed in his old age either. Like, I think at any point in history, he would have offered similar advice um if you were if you were still 60 or something well i have a friend who pointed out that like he's 91 and he probably knows like this is maybe maybe the last election he'll have input in right and he probably thinks this is one of the last interventions he could have on into this issue right and that he he genuinely authentically from a deep place after many interviews believes that trump is a huge fascist so like what else what if he said right yeah that's a that's a good point like i don't i don't think that I would expect nothing different from Chomsky. Um, but, you know, that whole that whole exchange is just honestly is just there. There's I don't see a lot of value in it, to be honest, because I think that like people have pretty much already made up their mind about whether or not they're going to vote. And like the people who are litigating it aren't the people who actually have to like decide whether they're going to like take off work or like whatever, um, piss off their boss. Um, it's just people who are online who are interested in this is just like sort of a a, a, a like a a point of expression right like whether or not you're somehow doing something unethical by supporting a president that doesn't comport with your values even if they're the better option right um and i think that like i don't know that that question um to me chomsky uh pretty succinctly answered um but i think that ultimately um any ongoing 
debate about it is kind of a waste of time. Like, I think that yeah, like, so what we're doing is a waste of time. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's not because it's, it's commentary on the commentary, right? It's like, I don't know. Um, uh, commentary on commentary. Right. Um, they're the, they forced our hands. You know what I mean? Twitter forced <laughs> our hands by being so obnoxious. Um, but I guess like, I guess like to me, like there's the other argument that's been presented by, uh, Nathan J. Robinson, which is like elect Biden. So he's like the person you want to fight against more, which is also a Chomsky argument, elect the person you'd rather fight against, which you're somebody who's more on the ground and you're an organizer, like a political organizer. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that statement? Elect the person that you'd want to fight against. Yeah. I mean, I think that like. Um, organizers definitely have more power to move Democrats than Republicans. I don't think Republicans are ever going to be fully responsive to like direct action or like anything that we do. Um, if it's, um, yeah, versus, versus like a Democrat. Uh, But, but I also think that like the idea that people are going to, um, push him to the left or whatever, like, I think people should try to do that. But I also think that that's like sort of misses the point, um, and, and sort of misses Chomsky's point, which is like that, um, like, I, I don't know, one way or another, like things have not really gotten better in the last four years. And so like the idea that you wouldn't want to change those conditions to me is silly. Like, I don't I don't think we can say for sure that like Biden being elected is like going to like, you know, um, bring us closer to um, like the socialist future that we want to live in. But I, I think it's like silly for people to like somehow like convince themselves that like reelecting Trump would 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 do that right it's like sort of a weird accelerationist argument and i think it already kind of played out with trump's first election right like there's people like jimmy Dore in 2016 who were saying like if trump wins the democratic party will learn its lesson and they'll nominate somebody like bernie next time well hillary lost trump won and they didn't do that right they nominated biden and i don't think there's any reason to believe that if trump won again that they would finally be like okay fool me fool me once fool me twice fool me three (laughs) times like no I, i like ultimately like the the people who are behind biden um if Trump wins, they're going to think like, well, you know, America's just shitty. Like, they're not going to think that like, you know, maybe this the whole Bernie Sanders crowd has a point. They're going to be like, well, if Trump Biden didn't win, then Bernie definitely would have lost. Yeah. Well, what I was going to ask you, too, is like a last thing about like how like there are people who are accelerationists, but also some who aren't, who argue that like when there's um, when there are Democrats in office or liberals, it's actually harder to fight against them and that it's easier to fight against Trump. And like from your standpoint, what do you think? Because like I. I don't know what to say. In Canada, we have Justin Trudeau, who's a center liberal, and uh, it's impossible. I think it's way worse than it was because we can't point out anything because then they're like, you just want the conservatives to win. Yeah, but that's what they're saying now with 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 Biden. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, in my view, it's like they're, like I think that people like there are more champing at the bit and like more willing to like show up and fight when Trump's in office. But that doesn't mean that they're going to like win more battles. You know what I mean? Like, I think Trump being in office definitely has accelerated like people's willingness to get on like the Black Lives Matter train and like protest in the streets when people get killed by the cops. But like the, those protests are not like resulting in systemic overhaul of the police. Right. So like, I, I don't know, like the idea. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's like, it's one thing if like, if you're in it for the fight, I think you're probably right. But if you're in it for like, ultimately like a, a greater outcome in the future, like I just, I, I think that like at best for the accelerationist arguments at best, it's unknowable, right? What, but like at worst, it's like four more years of Trump is a disaster, right? Like it's just a disaster. And like, and, and, and that's, that's like ultimately like I voted, I voted for Biden here, Kamala, Kamala Harrison, uh, Joe Biden. Um, but 
I'm not thrilled about it. I think that like it's one thing if you, you know, like a, like a if you're if you're like actually weighing a decision, right? If there's actual an actual trade off, like the Democrats uh, deciding um, to go to the Amy Coney Barrett hearings to not risk shaking the boat when it comes to the election. I think that's a bad trade. But like, you know, as an individual voter, um, assuming that you're not having to get on 15 buses to go vote, um, which unfortunately cannot be said in this country. Um, you're really not you're really not giving up anything, right? Voting's not really that much of an act of personal expression um, at all. It's really just kind of a choice uh, that you can make or not. Um, and and if folks want to do some type of like conditioning their vote for Biden uh, for like policy, uh, you know, concessions, then they should organize and do that. But just saying you're not going to vote for him is not going to do shit. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think. Um... I said I'm saying that as I've like been like I haven't voted yet I need to vote uh, probably I should um I just always feel like I'm in Canada and it doesn't matter but it does matter I mean a vote really like a vote in a presidential election really doesn't matter it's a vote but if everybody yeah. thought that right then like it'd be bad so it, yeah so but um yeah I think it's good to wrap up any last words Dawson for this week's political check-in no um this was fun uh, and by fun I mean um it was it was dark. We were pretty negative. We were pretty doomer. Yeah, this isn't this is negative. I think it might just be like do it might just be like the time of day that we did this. But um yeah, no. Um I would say for all your listeners who have the ability to vote, um be like Chomsky and vote for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Um just do it. Who cares? Yeah, I think it's like um I can admit to that. It's like a cool holier than thou feeling for me to keep being like, I haven't voted yet. I haven't voted yet, but like Am I being a good person or selfless or anything in that act? No. Yeah. I'm just being, I'm just holding a petty grievance about Bernie Sanders. Right. Um, which is, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm self-aware. Like literally this. I'm mad at them about that. This wouldn't be a thing. This phenomenon of like n- protest non-voting wouldn't be a thing without like Twitter for people to be able to be like, guess who's d- didn't vote? You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. It's just, no one really cares if you vote or not. Like, I'm never going to, like, tell somebody they're a bad person if they don't, especially if they are, like, um, having to make a sacrifice uh, in order to do so. Um, but I just like if you're asking me, like, oh, should I go vote for Biden? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, probably go vote, probably vote for Joe Biden for sure. <laughs> like, that's just my answer to that question for anyone who's asking. And if you yeah. don't care what I think, then fine. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> No, I know. I, I think it's good that we both are like different on this. Actually, it's like refreshing not to be in an echo chamber. Sure. Um, and I'm not like, a, oh, I shouldn't vote at all. I probably should. But I guess it's just like I'm soured from my first primary experience. Yeah, but. it's disappointing. That's what it feels like to lose a primary. Like it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I've never had that feeling. So now I'm kind of like, mm. it's terrible. It's the worst. And then you like have to like be like, oh, this person who beat us is just fantastic. Great. No, it's terrible. <laughs> Who wants that? Anyway, um, this has been great. This has been anyway, fun. It's been fun. These episodes take a small team. Many episodes are hosted by Nashalina Khan solo, political episodes co-hosted by Ryan Deshpande, art and music by Post America, editing and music by Johnny Zapras, production assistance by Raymond Kanano. Consider giving to us on Patreon to help fuel our team with chai and other fun things at patreon.com.
forward slash Habibdi Please and find us on Twitter at Habibdi Please with a B 